thank you for joining us for episode three of our podcast, Widowhood. I'm Mel, and today we're going to hear from Nikki about when Oki died. Hi, Mel. Hi, everyone. I'm Nikki. I'm the widow. Today's podcast is a very tough one. But like all the topics we are tackling in this podcast, it's one people don't talk about and therefore nobody hears. I'm going to be reading from my notebook. About a year ago, I suddenly had a feeling that I wanted to write about how it was when Oki died. I wrote for about three hours. It was utterly exhausting. And then I went for a sleep, but it was so cathartic. I'll read, I'll read some of that today. I, um, I just wanted to butt in there, Nikki, if that's okay. And just sort of say to our listeners that this may be a, a heavy chat and it could even be quite triggering for some listeners. So please take your time. There's no rush. You don't have to listen to it if it's not good for you or if you don't want to listen to it in one go. You might want to have a little bit of a listen and then put it away and then come back. It's entirely up to you. So stop the podcast at any time. Look after you. This is cathartic for Nikki right now, but it is taken until now for it to be that way. Please do what's right for you. Okay, Nikki, when you're ready, we're ready. Okay, so my dad flew home from Japan in November. This is 2019. As there was a bushfire posing a risk to our family home and the community on the New South Wales South Coast. Dad and Oki's goodbye was the most heartbreaking of my life. They were father and son and we knew it would be their last. Mum was with me when Oki died. Actually, he chose to hold her hand when he took his last breath. This was the most beautiful gesture from him to show his love of her and my family as a whole, as they'd nursed him through his illness the whole 16 years. I was quite calm when he died. It was peaceful and we could talk to him and touch him. The nurse said to me, I'm honoured that I'm his nurse today. I called my brother-in-law and he called the funeral home and they came to the hospital. Oki's doctor, who we'd nicknamed Dr God, got a big hug from me and I went with Oki to the funeral home. Hi everyone, it's Mel again. I just wanted to butt in and just make comment that the hospital staff made such a difference all the way through Oki's care that last 12 months, but especially in this moment. There's something to be learned here for all end of life professionals. It really was such a beautiful way to pass for Oki. Considering you're in Japan, Nikki, what did Oki's funeral preparations and funeral look like? I'm sure most of our listeners wouldn't have experienced a Japanese traditional funeral. There were many rituals and customs that went on from here to the funeral, which were held the next day. I had dressed Oki in his favourite band T-shirt and tracksuit pants and had a suit in the car as I assumed that's what would happen and that he'd change when we got to the funeral home. But no, the white kimono was placed, placed over his outfit and I still think it was just so perfect. He hated suits and formalities anyway. So this was quite amusing for me because under this pure white kimono was a heavy rock-on T-shirt and a pair of Oakley trackies. <laughs> 
So one ritual at the funeral home is that someone must stay with the deceased and must keep the candle lit. Now, please remember that it's an open casket. At the beginning, Oki was put on a, um, a futon on the floor and was covered in um, a doona around his body and his face was exposed and people sit with him and talk to him and then we placed him in the coffin and I helped. And then the funeral directors proceeded to put makeup on and fix him up. But he looked amazing. He, he looked amazing. He passed away at the same weight he had when he first was um, admitted to hospital. So he wasn't gaunt or off, off colour or anything. Um, I'll get back to the story. So when his parents arrived in the evening, I asked them to stay with him. This gave some, them some time with him and gave me some time with mum. The Buddhist funeral was held the next day, followed by the cremation. A Japanese-style funeral can seem confronting, but it's very th therapeutic at the same time. I really came to terms with the fact that Oki had passed away. I understood this as I saw he was dead, and it wasn't horrific or scary. If you would like to know any more about how it is in Japan, I really suggest you watch the 2008 film called Departures because that's exactly how it is. Uh, Nikki, would you like to take a short break? Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, thanks all for joining us. Let's recommence Nikki's story with the completion of the formal funeral. Okay, so the afternoon of the funeral and the next day we had people coming to the house to pay their respects and it was lovely. My best friend Ange was there, as always, helping mum and I serve tea and talk to people. How can someone nurse their friend's husband and turn up at the hospital day in and day out knowing it will be very hard, awkward, emotional and draining? It's a tricky one. I mean, I think that the answer is love. She is just such a good friend that she loved you and Oki unconditionally and has ended up with twin sisters she may never have signed up for <laughs> and an extra set of Aussie parents. Seriously, though, she still supports us all and there are lessons in Ange's story of support for people supporting the widow. If there was a textbook, Ange wrote it. Yeah, I think the lights are pretty bright in here again. So let me get back to it. Oki's parents left sometime that day. I really don't know when, as they didn't come to the house and say anything to me or pay their respects to him. Anyway, in that afternoon, you arrived, Mel. Yeah, it may have been good that they left at that point. <laughs> I think so. When you're in your most dire situation in your life, you really find out who cares, loves and wants to help you. I had nothing to give back to those who came to me. Supporting me was financially, emotionally and time-wise draining for everybody. I know that isn't easy. So those who have been by my side and supported Oki and I through 16 years of illness, the only thing I have is a heart full of gratitude. So the day after the funeral, Mum, Mel, Ange and I left for a day trip to Naoshima, which is the most amazing art-filled island in the Seto Sea. It was a getaway from the formalities, the visitors, 
the money envelopes accumulating and trying to make things better. We spent the day regrouping, giggling and releasing stress. We had on our bright Marimeko shirts, the ones Oki loved. The previous 12 months had been the most intense of my life and of those around me. Going on that day trip was a really great scene changer for all of us. And uh, look, you really needed it. You'd been in the hospital and every day. And Nikki, mum was with Nikki through that journey as well. I'm going to start again. Yeah, look, it was a great scene changer to go out for the day. You needed it, but so did mum. You'd both been at the hospital every day for months. And um, I do want to go back to that, to Naoshima, to the island, because it really was amazing. Um, and I'd like to go back and actually take in the experience and, and enjoy the art for what it was, um, which we did do, but it was just more the getting out and getting some fresh air and just being with each other without that pressure cooker situation. And I think we had to recharge to, to then get on with what with the next part of what we had to get on with. Exactly, it was a chance to catch our breath. After we got back to the house, my GP, who moonlights as a Buddhist priest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he really does moonlight, moonlight yeah. as a Buddhist priest. Came to read a prayer. He told us that in Buddhism, there's no life or death. Oki continues to be here, just in a different form. We all found this so comforting and it's it quite hard to explain how his words still, I find comforting. He still rings me, sends me random history books and Japanese <laughs> homework. <laughs> He's just a gem. Oh, that was so, a real blessing. That was a real blessing that yeah. day. Mum flew back to Australia the next day as the bushfires were getting uncomfortably close to our hometown and Dad needed her help. Also, he needed comforting as he was hit very hard, losing his son. It's so beautiful when you see your parents love your partner like that. It's made it easier to cope with his death, knowing that I'm not the only one that loved him so hard. So hard that it hurts. My people loved him so hard. We sure did, Nikki, and we still do. So we are on day two as a widow. We're still in Japan visiting important offices and filing death certificates. We were ticking the boxes you have to do after someone dies. And as first world a country as Japan is, it was all on paper. Like seriously, everything was on paper. It took time. But while I was there, we carried on so that Nikki didn't have to run around doing it by herself later on. Um, and close family and friends sort of would have known about um, Oki passing by now. But how did you go about telling the wider world about losing Oki? I put a post on Facebook two days after Oki passed away. I put it in Japanese and in English. I was hesitant at first, but I needed to tell his friends and mine. The response was uplifting and I'm glad I did it. My mind couldn't cope with replying to everybody, but knowing people cared really helped me. The funny memories and the photos people added helped as well. 
So after mum left and Melanie, Mel and I were trying to organise everything in Japan, we also decided that I would go back to Australia with her on December 22nd. Oki had wished that his ashes would be scattered in the ocean, ocean of Australia. He had told his brother this and not me. It's a smart move as the traditional way is to put the ashes in the family grave. And if he had have told me and not his brother, his wish may not have come true. So Mel and I had some preparing to do. Biosecurity restrictions require death certificates and cremation certificates with ashes. And I had them translated just in time. I called the airline a few days before to let them know that we had ashes with us and to find out the protocols. As they knew in advance, check-in was seamless. When we boarded the plane, the attendant took us to our seat and she explained that there were three seats. The middle one was for him. He could sit with us. So then Mel and the attendant and I had a good cry. It was just the loveliest gesture. I began to learn that when I allow myself to be vulnerable, I encounter the best of human kindness. <laughs> it was a beautiful moment, Nikki. And um, there's no doubt about it that the Japanese do respect really well. They they respect people in life and they respect them in death. And that was really beautiful. It really was a special homecoming for Oki, that's for sure. So we were picked up in Sydney by our aunt that had come to Japan a few times to help us. She's such a gem. She took us south to meet our parents. And there's a very long and humorous story to this. But to cut it short, the bushfire had crossed the road about 150 kilometres from home and my family had to take an 800 kilometre detour to get home. So by the time we got back to the family home, Mel's husband and kids had been waiting for us. We then decided to scatter Oki's ashes on Christmas Eve. The bushfire was approaching and Mel's husband needed to go back to work and back to his, their home to make sure it was fine. On the 23rd, Dad took me aside and asked if I minded keeping some of the ashes as he wasn't ready to say goodbye. My people are just really my people. So we scattered most of the ashes at a nearby beach. This is where we'd played with Mel's kids and Oki had had a great, many great times with our family and with his Japanese niece and nephew when they'd come out. We'd all played at that beach together. So we chose that as our special place. We took flowers with us and had a good cry. It was really perfect. Really was. It was really lovely. Um, do, you, do, you, do you think you're up for a break or would you like to keep going? I think I can keep going. Okay. So how about we rejoin on Christmas Day? Okay, so we had Christmas as normal as possible. And then on the 31st and the 4th, we evacuated the home with our most important possessions, which was the remainder of Oki's ashes. In January, just before I left to come back to Japan, Dad, Mum and I scattered the remainder of the ashes under the bottle tree in the front yard of the home. I'm looking at that tree now. It's just out there about 10 metres from where I'm sitting. We don't have any plaques or memorials for Oki. 
I avoid man-made rules and rituals. He's here. I honour him every day by living with his love. The good doctor slash Buddhist priest told you that. Yes, it was very freeing to hear that. I'm not putting pressure on myself to do particular rituals on the 10th of every month, for example. Those are man-made rules. I'm not against them if others find comfort in those. But for me, it's too much pressure to get it right. I believe what I do from my heart is right. I go to the beach and sit. I look out at the bottle tree and I think they are special but not consuming. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. And there's no right or wrong. Whatever feels right for you and for right for us is right, I think. And we talk about Oki. His photos are all over the house. It all feels right and it works for us. That is how we continue to love and honour him. Exactly. So thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope this gives you an insight into my experience of the death of my partner and the much-loved member of our family. Thank you, Nikki, again for sharing your very personal, raw and emotional experiences. The responses to the podcast show that many people would like to hear a widow's experiences and perspectives. As I said at the start of the podcast episode, I'm just going to remind everyone, if you found this triggering, please practice some self-care. There are always people you can talk to about your emotions. And if they aren't immediately close to you, like friends and family, please reach out to support groups. In Australia, there is always Lifeline 24-7 who will listen and help. I hope you will join us again. Bye, Nikki. Bye, everyone. Bye, Mel. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you.